Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. Though that forecast scares me. Upper 90s. Whoa. But how is your plant world doing <laughs> as it gets hotter and hotter and hotter? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, Saturday morning starts off with the good gardening stroll. Then after, afterwards, we can discuss what's impacting your trees, why those tips on those leaves. Is that really horrible? Does that make any difference? What's the cause of it? How about your perennials? How about those shrubs, your lawn, your ground cover, or anything planted in the outdoors, of course, but we can step inside where it's cooler. Please, I'd prefer to be inside for a little bit with the air conditioner on. And uh, we can talk about routine care and maintenance. What impact is your dogs and cats and your, maybe you have a pet chipmunk, <laughs> and what's it doing to your landscape? How about pruning? How about insect problems, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting? Should you be doing that kind of thing this time of year? Taking cuttings and beyond. I'll share my knowledge, which will help you make a good decision on the action that you're going to take, but it's going to be up to you to decide which way you want to go. Remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you having and hearing about your plant world. Another very important player is Ashland. She's producing today. She said, oh, gosh, I didn't really want to come to the Garden Hotline. <laughs> I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. That's the last century? Yes, it is. Besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and check out your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And today, after the show, I'm headed to Kirkwood. And, well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Nestled on a corner. Historic tradition always says... The Tour de Force, the first Saturday after the new season begins, is at my and Tracy's home. East to west, well, the eastern boundary is an alleyway. 
and the plot between the garage and the alley, that's my butterfly garden. It's a butterfly stop. There's huge, I mean, four to five feet high purple cone flowers. And there's even taller milkweed in there. And as we turn out of the alley onto the street, there's some sweet alyssum. There's some sunflowers. There's pokeweed. Where is the pokeweed coming from? Well, I didn't really plant it, but there's power lines right above, and the birds love to sit there, and they go to the bathroom, and that brings some interesting <laughs> plants into my landscape. There's, as I said, the pokeweed. It's starting to flower, and it will have purple berries on it soon, probably in a couple weeks. There's lemon verbena. There's blue-flowered spiderwort, which is kind of a... Some people consider a weed. I like it a lot but because uh, I have it spread out all over the landscape. And as I start marching down the north side of our home, there's going to be street trees to sugar maples. There's sedum acre and more blue-flowering spiderwort. Yellow creeping jenny as well. That feeds, fills in all the street-side beds. Across the sidewalk, there's my backyard where the zoysia creates a sea of green, where pots and patios, the patio acting as a deck, and buoys, that's the pots. Three varieties of Tratus cantia, elephant ears, diplodina, rosemary, ornamental sumac. And guess what? There's all kinds of other stuff going on as well. Along the house, there's going to be boxwood. Mugo pine, cypress, and the evergreens will bounce and create a nice environment for Japanese painted fern, purple coral bells, hosta, sedum, yellow creeping jenny. There's containers, about a dozen or so, at our front door. Some have kaffir lilies. Some have angel and devil wing begonias. Others, and it's going to be spider plants. All surrounded. This year I decided to go. In the past I've done uh, sort of an array of plant material that's like the artist Jackson Pollock. Well, I decided to be pointillistic this year. And so I have a lot of foliage with a lot of dots and a lot of plants like uh, some sweet alyssums with small, small dots of color. And it's just kind of neat. At the front door, like I said, about a dozen pots of all kinds of different stuff. And then as you go around to the west side of our house, there's the lawn. And then up the hill from the sidewalk, there's a patio with a bench so where we can sit and look out over Christie Park. There's a bird bath there, too, which offers refreshments for sometimes there's even a trio of blue jays there. The trio of blue jays. One sometimes wants to jump in the bird bath and start splashing around. The other ones go, ugh, I don't want to have that stuff splashing in my eyes. So they fly away, but they hang out together, so it's really kind of surprising. Along the house foundation, I have three window boxes with trellises and morning glories climbing upwards. Then I have pots with cannas, elephant ears, blue spiderwort, and some newly germinated castor beans. And there's all kinds of other stuff as well. And the south side, around the south side, we share that area 
which is pretty narrow. It's between our house and Pam's house. She has lots of Lily of the Valley and Autumn Live Forevers. So the birds are all over the place. Probably robins dominate more so than any of the other birds. But we have some sparrows and some cardinals. So it's a nice combination of birds with Christie Park right across the street. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back to talk to you right after these messages. Hi, Jim. How are you today? Jim, are you there? Plans. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're going to have to start all over. Okay. The deer, again, took care of my tomato plants, ate the tops of them off. And um, I would wonder what you would recommend for planter boxes next year, what kind of a soil mixture you would use. Well, I would use a uh, raised bed mix that you can go to St. Louis Composting and get it there. And that's a good combination of compost, soils, and everything else. Now, the deer eating your tomatoes, that's tomato plants, that's really kind of unusual because they generally do not like tomato plants because of the fuzziness of the foliage, and they just, in general, don't eat them, so I'm real surprised. But it must have been eaten by young deer that didn't know they were nasty-tasting until they ate a little bit of them. Well, my neighbor feeds them 365 a year, but... Uh... Oh, my gosh. We was up north and went through a cherry vineyard, and I saw a bunch of white five-gallon buckets sitting around. So I asked the man why. He says what he does, he has holes drilled on the side of them right above the bottom and puts melargonite into them and wets them down some. And he says the deer helps keep the deer away because they don't like the smell. Right. You can use uh, Irish Spring soap to hang that uh, near your plant material, too. They don't like the smell of Irish spring soap, but melorganite works the same thing. Melorganite is actually manure, human manure from Milwaukee. It's it's good stuff because I've used it on my lawn. So yes. I'll go over there to Valley Park, which I have done before, and got some compost this year. I'll get their mixture and put it in my planter boxes on the deck this year. Sounds perfect. Hey, thank you, man. Take care, veteran. We'll talk sure. to you later. All right, great. Now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, I have a question about root killer. I don't know if I should be asking a plumber or asking you, but I have uh, roots growing in my corrugated black pipe, uh, which, you know, drain my downspouts. And I've run a a jet through there trying to blast them out. And I hit a section that's maybe a, a foot long. And I imagine, I don't know, you know, the pipe is four inches, so it's probably four inches around and maybe a foot long by my best guess. If I pour some foaming root killer in there, A, will it work? And B, when it runs out and pops out onto my yard, is that going to kill my grass? It should. It may have an impact on your grass, and I'm not sure it's really going to work as far as getting rid of the tree root out of your drainage system. So, yeah. You're almost to a circumstance where you're going to have to have somebody come out and redo with the piping. I wouldn't go with the black plastic. I'd go with the, you know, the white hard plastic to run it out. And uh, I know it's a little bit more expensive, but uh, that's going to be more effective. 
Right. That that's what I I I kind of inherited the black pipe. Otherwise, oh. I would have had that the white pipe in. But so you don't think the root root killer is going to kill the roots and it and if it does it's also going to kill the grass well it may i mean i would get you could give it a try and see what happens and then if you start to see i don't know how you're going to know that if it's you know knocking the root out i don't know exactly how the root got into this drainage pipe because i mean i know it's corrugated and everything else but it should be solid and there must have been a it must be really old pipe and you know, it must have split or something because I don't yeah. know how the tree root could get in there. Yeah, I think that it connects to another downspout, so there's like a YT oh, in Oh, I there, see. And, right. And it made its way in. Right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and I was really hoping I wouldn't have to do that because I have to tear up a sidewalk and a bunch of stuff. Oh, my. Uh, and then and the irrigation lines and the whole shooting match. So I was, you know, trying to incrementally, uh, you know, try to get rid of this i tried my i have a jet i tried that but it you know it blocks up at the roots and then you know try the next inexpensive thing was the is the the root killer and then after that i could go get an auger but i'm pretty sure that's going to tear up the pipe so i'm kind of in a bind right so good luck all right thanks mike sure my pleasure See you, buddy. and now let's head over to bunny's yard hi bunny hi mike hi. um i think i messed up i have a a mum plant, and it's already got buds on it. Is that ruined for the fall? It's going to probably bloom this summer. Uh, well, are you still pinching it back? Because you should still be pinching it about once a yeah. month. How do I pinch it? Is, do you pinch the leaves? Or yes. What do you, right, you pinch you, it. So if you want it bushier and more roundish, and with more, actually, ultimately, more flowers in the fall, pinch it back once a month, take off about uh, an inch or two inches off each stem, and okay. uh, fertilize it every month, and then okay. just kind of keep your fingers crossed. And if you have insects, I wouldn't worry too much. They're generally not going to do too much harm, but it wouldn't hurt to, you know, use some... Uh, insecticide on it and check early in the morning that's where you're going to see the most insects visible and also check the underside of the foliage okay and another thing i bought um, a tuscan blue rosemary plant and um, can i just leave it in the pot yeah i mean well it depends upon how small the pot is but uh i'm growing mine in a pot i've it's i've already had it uh I guess I got it pretty early as soon as they started showing up, and I think that was probably maybe the first of March, and it oh, was wow. yeah, it was in a uh, let's say maybe an eight inch pot, and so it's still growing in that same pot. Now, oh, if, it, good. if yours is in a four inch pot, that might be a little bit small. It's bigger than that. Okay. Yeah. So you should but be I fine. Just, and how do how often do I water it? Uh, basically. Underwatering is by far the best thing with most of the herbs and especially rosemary. So don't rush out there on a regular basis whatsoever. Just whenever you think, well, I haven't watered for a couple weeks. Maybe I should go ahead if we haven't had any rain. If we've had rain, then you don't need to worry about watering. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. (laughs) Bye. See ya. And now let's go over to Carol's. Hi, Carol. 
Good morning, Mike. I have a question about oak leaf hydrangea. These are the second year for these um, bushes. They're on the east side of the house. Mm -hmm. They get partial filtered shade from um, early morning until about noon. They, um, it's their second year. They look healthy and they have blooms right now. But the problem is the newer top leaves um, have been, it's the new growth. And they're turning red like they do in the fall. The lower leaves are still the green. So the other two things I need to tell you, these hydrangea live in Chicago, Illinois. And that particular area has not had any rain for over two months. Now, they, um, yeah, so uh, are they not getting enough light or is, and they've been watering them um, probably twice a week. So are they not getting uh, deep enough watering or what do you think is wrong with these? Well, they're, first of all, weather is causing the foliage to change colors. If they haven't had any rain, even though they're watering, it's still the whole environment created by rain is a little bit different than watering with a hose or an irrigation system or whatever else. So, But I wouldn't be concerned with them. And they would prefer not to be in the sun as opposed to in a shady location. So the shade is not a problem. Okay. Okay. Would it be better to water them and they're in um, about a, a 12-inch raised bed. So would it be better to water them just once a week and give it a really deep watering? Or I would better... say once every couple weeks. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, overwatering okay. is the worst thing you can do. Okay, okay. Um, the only thing that we've noticed that uh, other than the leaves turning red... On there are three on on the very edge of one of them, there was one branch that last week just totally wilted down. Um, we cut it off. We didn't note any insects or anything like that on it or the rest of the plants. Was that just a random problem with um, yeah, one within, branch? Yeah, it's probably because they ha- don't have an established root system if they've only been in two years. So the fact right. that it's in a drought situation, it's just uh, the root system has not been acclimated to the soil. So even though your watering doesn't necessarily mean the water can be absorbed by the root system because it's still too immature. Okay, okay. So just a good deep watering once every two weeks. Every and... couple weeks, yes. Not necessarily okay, too. Okay, rain. Don't do it by a calendar. Just kind of do it routinely just as it's thought of, as opposed okay. to like, well, it's Tuesday, we got to go water. So don't do that. Okay, we've, and we've been putting a hose out and putting it on a, a slow trickle at the base of the plants. Is that okay? Yeah, that's all right. You know. Sure, okay. Okay, thank you, Mike. Yep, and just make sure they were planted properly with uh, you know, a nice wide hole, but only about as deep, you know, 80% as deep as the root system, so... Okay, yeah, they were planted by the nursery where they were purchased. So we hope they did it right. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Bye. Hi. And Christine, how are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I just had two very large pine trees that are about 30 feet tall cut out of my backyard, and I like to plant some shrubs there. What do I do to prepare the soil for this? 
basically you got to leave them alone for a while. Even if the stumps were ground out and all the chips were taken away, this root system's still going to stay viable from the trees for a couple of years. So anything that you plant in close proximity to where the trunk was, first of all, it's going to be like planting on a hardwood floor. And second of all, the root system's going to, you know, slowly but surely implode. And as it does, as it starts dying off, as it dies, it's going to bind up moisture and roots and nutrients as well. So just realize that uh, I would say just kind of leave it alone for at least one or two years before you even consider putting any kind of plant material in. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Let's dance our way over to Mike's yard. Mike, how are you today? Good. How are you today? Good. Um, I had a question about potted plants. We have a pin oak in our back yard so it's like a squirrel circus year-round and they more than ever they've been really digging in the potted plants this year is there anything to keep them out of there well there's several people who call in some people have put cayenne pepper on the surface some people I've tried have, that you and it didn't work it works until you don't put cayenne pepper the next day <laughs> on the surface. <laughs> right yeah that's kind of how that you know it's going to be Probably a physical bear. I would probably try uh, maybe an inch or two of, uh, like, uh, pea gravel and see if that's going to keep them off. Well, what's that called? Pea gravel. So okay, just, where, do you, where do you buy that at? Basically, like a uh, small gravel? Yeah, that's a small gravel that you can get at all the, uh, you know, Home Depots and Lowe's and that kind of stuff. And a lot of hardware stores will carry it as well. And many of the garden centers also carry it. Okay, I read online coffee grounds. Will coffee grounds hurt the plants at all? No, they won't. But uh, I don't know. You know, coffee grounds, may, any of the organic stuff is great, but as far as the effectiveness for an extended period of time, that's where the trouble's going to be. Okay, and another question on potted plants. Um, and I forgot. It was, oh, I forgot. I'll call you next week. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks. Sure. I guess we'll be here next week. Who knows, though? Uh, one thing, when you're at the stores right now, watermelons are showing up all over the place. And here's a few facts about watermelons. This is one of the quotes that I love. Mark Twain, you know, I quote him a lot. His, one of his quotes is, Watermelon is the chief of all world luxuries. King of the grace of God over all the fruits of the earth. When one is tasted, he knows what the angels eat. So, in other words, the angels eat watermelon. Wow. Watermelon is the same family as the cucumbers. Can you believe that? Well, yeah, and there's uh, all kinds of other cucumbers, squash, pumpkins are members of the same family. And they bear male and female flowers on the same plant. The edible part of the watermelon is known as a peepo. <laughs> Whoa. Which is ripened, uh, you know, a fruit. You know what it is. And here's some watermelon trivia. The first recorded watermelon harvest occurred in Egypt 
5,000 years ago. Now, I don't believe that in a way because 5,000 years ago when they were recording things in Egypt? Hmm, I don't know. This is just some trivia. And because of the great water content, early explorers used watermelons as canteens. Now, hmm, using a watermelon as a canteen, that could be pretty heavy to carry along. The first cookbook published in the United States in 1796 contains a recipe for pickled watermelon rinds. So there's all kinds of other stuff related to watermelons. But watermelons, there's lots of different varieties, and they're grown in over uh, 96 countries across the world. And China is the first one as far as watermelon production. United States is only seven. So that's kind of a little bit surprising. And let's see. Well, let's skip. That's enough. Contrary to popular belief, swallowing watermelon seeds is not harmful. They do not increase the risk of developing appendicitis. Whoa, I didn't know they were supposed to. I never heard of that one. But anyway, let's head over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have a red maple tree in my backyard that I had planted about eight years ago, and it's it blooms in the fall, and it's a beautiful tree. Uh, but this past year, I just recently noticed I have a hairline crack coming up the trunk from the bottom of the ground about two foot up, almost like an old-school handsaw, uh, you know, uh, scissor-wise going up, you know, the teeth. And I'm just – my question would be is is the – we do put water on it and trick and let it trickle when there is a, you know, a drought and stuff like that. Um, but is the tree dying or am I, is, am I going to have to cut it down or I'm just, I'm kind of up in the air with it. I think this is just something natural. The tree, you know, diameter is increasing. So the bark, you know, is not necessarily going to increase necessarily at the same rate. So that split is, is probably related to the fact that it's, you know, the diameter is increasing. I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Okay. All right. That was my main question. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. With that, it's because I, I didn't notice it until this past year. And then all of a sudden, it's just like I told my wife, I said, uh, I could understand if lightning struck from up above or something. <laughs> but this is from the ground coming up, you right. know, two foot. So, okay, well, I appreciate your call or uh, answering my question for me. Sure, my pleasure. And now right, from Tim's, let's head over to Carol's. Hi, Carol. Hi, I got a question about weeds. This spring, I had more weeds in my yard than ever before. Is there, and I finally got ahead of them, but is there something, uh, uh, a pre-emergent I can put down in the fall to prevent all that in the spring before the grass actually gets growing? Yeah, I mean, there's two different times to put pre-emergence. The pre-emergent that you would put down in the fall would be for the cool season annual weeds. Now, that can also kill any kind of seeds, but any kind of perennial weeds, it doesn't impact. It only, you know, kills seeds as they germinate. And then in the springtime, you put a pre-emergent down when the yellow forsythia is in bloom, and that is for the warm season annual weeds. So there's two different times to put a pre-emergent down. One is mid to late August, and the other one is in the springtime when the forsythia is in bloom. Well, I've used the springtime one and had good luck with that, but I've never put one down in the fall. In fact, I've never seen it for sale. Is there a particular brand of it that, that you would recommend? No, whatever brand that you have normally got at wherever you get it, they should have the you know, the one for the fall planting too. Okay, never seen it, but I'll look this year. Thank yeah. you very much. Yep. And now let's go and see what's going on in Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi, thanks for my, taking my call. Sure. Uh, sorry if this is somewhat of a repeat question, but uh, I had my uh, landscape area mulched uh, about a month ago, and during the evening, I seem to be getting a lot of digging for some kind of animals around the trees, and uh, I sprayed the deer and rabbit repellent. I've sprayed uh, insects. Uh, spray even by a professional exterminator, and it doesn't seem to be deterring these animals. Is there anything I can do? I've I've set a live trap and I've not caught anything. Uh, just don't just don't know what to do to try to keep these animals away. <laughs> not too much you can really do, to be honest. I mean, it's probably squirrels would be my guess. They seem to be more problematic than most wildlife. Any of the rabbits are not going to be digging in mulch. But uh, squirrels, I guess it's boredom. I don't know exactly why they dig as much as they do, especially in an area like that. It's not like they, there's going to be any food there for them, but uh, who knows what it is. It could be skunks looking for, uh, if you have skunks in your area, looking for like grubs and things along that line. But uh, there's really not too much you can do. The repellents, if you've tried that, uh, that's about all you can do. As far as these live traps go, um, I've tried peanut butter and cat food. Um, any way to outsmart these guys? <laughs> well, the live traps, if you're trying to catch, you know, I mean, most of the wildlife is smarter than what we think they are, and they're not necessarily going to go into a trap. But uh, if you've tried them and you haven't had luck with them, I would say I don't. You don't have to necessarily get a, give up because you've probably had them, 
and you've had to buy them. So consequently, just keep putting different stuff in them and see if you can. And they may be voles. It could be chipmunks. It could be, you know, it's difficult to say exactly what it is. Okay. All right. Just it's very irritating. I seem to be dealing with this every other day. <laughs> well, well, thank you for, for the answer. We'll keep trying. I won't give up. Yeah. I mean, that's about all you can really do. And without knowing exactly what it is, and even if you know exactly what it is, it's not necessarily going to make it so you're going to be able to get rid of them. And sometimes you get rid of some, but you have a nice environment, and so other ones will move in even if the other ones have been already trapped and, let's say, killed or whatever. So it could be just an ongoing process that never ends. So far, all I've come is a chipmunk, but I didn't think that's what it was. It could be. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of, you know, things that dig because of whatever reason. Okay, I'm not giving up. Thank you for your uh, time and your program. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Speaking of wildlife, if you do have a mole problem and you try the traps and everything else, there is a product that you can inject into the mole tunnels. Now, the surface tunnels are the tunnels where they're looking for earthworms. That's their main diet. Now, when they advertise, companies advertise kill grubs to get rid of moles, that is not really true because the main diet for moles is earthworms. They do eat the grubs, yes, as they're tunneling along. They listen and they hear the earthworms tunnel. Can you imagine what kind of ear quality they have to be able to hear that? And then if they come across a a grub while they're tunneling towards the earthworm sound, then they will eat it, of course. But the surface tunnels, that's the feeder tunnels. There is actually a layer of or a row of tunnels below that, and that's the ones that push where they're digging those, push soil up to the surface. But the product that you can inject into active tunnels, so in other words, flatten all the tunnels, ones that pop up, is called Kaput, K-U-P-U-T. And it smells like earthworms. You inject it into the tunnel. The moles come along and go, oh, here's an earthworm, and eat it, and then it kills them. So Kaput, K-U-P-U-T, mole killer. Let's, where should we go? Let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Yeah, Mike, how are you doing today? Good. Hey, I have a snowball bush, and I'm wondering how hard that is for me to divide by of the roots just to cut through. I would say well, don't bother. Don't, don't. Don't do it. Just buy a new one. Okay. Okay. I mean, you can do it, but the ability of the plant to, like, reestablish and everything else and actually make it through something like that in a, let's say, our region is not going to be really good. You're going to be disappointed. So just if you want to have a second one someplace, just purchase a new one. Okay. What about uh, a ground cover? Uh, under a cherry or a maple, anything? Uh, as far as it don't, uh, just so the roots, the roots just keep taking over everything. And I, I'm if I give it enough water and keep giving it fertilizer, will it make it? Uh, the ground cover, yeah. I mean, just 
like an English ivy would be an evergreen type. Now, they are invasive, so ultimately, once you plant them, you know, some of them, because of the root systems, may not survive. But once they get established, then they can, you know, kind of move beyond where you expect them to. So English ivy, vinca minor, which will give you uh, both of those are evergreen, will give you ground, or uh, the vinca minor will give you a blue flower in the springtime. There's liriope, L-I-R-I-O-P-E, spicata, S-P-I-C-A-T-A. Spicata variety, liriope spicata is a good uh, ground cover that's not necessarily evergreen, but uh, is pretty invasive and aggressive. You might try that. They use it a lot in the botanical garden, but they use the other two as well. Okay. And, and the hostas, if I keep those at the outer limits of the tree, will they be okay, you think? Yeah, just so they're in the shade because... Yes, yes. Okay, that's fine. Okay, thank you. Sure. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, the surface roots, there's nothing you can do about that. So it's not necessarily because of our clay soils or anything else. It's just some of the trees have more, you know, more tendency to have surface roots than other ones do, and that's they're sort of the reality of the situation. Let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was going to call in about some squirrels that get into pots. Um, I'm going to tell you how to do it, and you don't use any chemicals on this. Go to the dollar store, buy boxes of forks, and you put those in your pot as you are planting. And I always use the clear. But you can use any color you want because you're not going to see them anyway because the plants cover it up. But when you put those in, turn the uh, spikes uh, different ways, not in the same direction. Squirrels won't get in there, I'll tell you that. I've done this for years, and I'm older than you. No and way. I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I, I do know. I, Yeah, the dollar store is where you want to go. You don't want to... Spend a lot of money on it, so the dollar store is where you're going to go. So you're talking about plastic forks? Yes, I am. Okay. So it doesn't matter if the tines are pointed up or anything like that? They go up. Okay. The handle goes down. Okay, so you do and put them I, in a certain direction. All different directions. <laughs> yeah, all different directions you want to do that. Because when they step on that, they get out pretty quickly. So now they don't even come and bother me at all. Because they know, so that's what I can tell you. I I uh, have done it for years, and uh, that's my little pearl for the day. Well, great. Well, thanks. I've never heard of putting forks in a pot, so that's a yeah. new one on me. I've used well, gravel. I'm telling you, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, great. So try it. All right. <laughs> and see, I can't. I can't uh, uh, get down on my hands and knees anymore. So I have to use pots. And my pots aren't little. I've got the big pots. Yeah, I've got some and large when ones, when I too. tell you to put forks in there, I can put 50 to 75 or more in my pots. Whoa. Yes, you're not, you're not going to be skimpy. No, you're not going to be skimpy. <laughs> Try it. Oh, great. Well, thanks for the insight. So You're certainly welcome. Carol recommends putting forks as opposed to me saying pea gravel, which I've used for years myself. But, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of different things that work really well. And that's a nice thing about uh, people calling in and sharing that kind of information with us.
And Randy, can you do it kind of quickly? Yes. Go ahead. Um, I live on a rural property, and I'm having trouble with groundhogs. I've been able to trap some of them, but I'm still having them. Any ideas to get rid of them? They're tough. I mean, there's nothing that's going to be a good repellent against them. Go to Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, O-R-G, and see what they recommend as far as getting rid of groundhogs. But groundhogs are really, as you know, if you've had them, really <laughs> sort of nasty as far as where yeah, they, they live and where they they're always all over the place. Yep. They're tough, but thank you. I'll go to that website and give it a try. Great. Thank you. Good luck. And that's going to be our last call for this hour. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, for passing the baton on to me. This is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which means the tip of the trowel, a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during the past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you've got any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it's plants inside or out, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got phone lines open, and we can talk about it. We've got a couple online, but uh, guess what? I'll talk to you. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Our discussions ranging from making the right plant selection for a specific location in your landscape, how to care for those plants, talking about what should be done during the humdrum times or the peak season times, whether it's annuals, whether it's bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, evergreen herbaceous ground covers, perennials, house plants that cascade over or house plants that grow straight up like palm trees, uh, cool season or warm season lawns, shrubs, classic roses, vines, fountains, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path which will take you to your desired results, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important member of the team this morning who is pushing the buttons and answering the phone, that's Ashlyn She only needs your first name when you call, and she'll put you up on the computer screen, and we'll go from there. So I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and on Saturday mornings, besides the Garden Hotline, I can come to your home. I can come during the week as well. So you can give me a call. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And uh, we can schedule a walk and talk. So MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today's tip of the trowel, as I said before, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. And it goes to the Pride Fest. The Pride Fest is down here surrounding Soldiers Memorial and where the building where we are at, uh, you know, the Odyssey radio stations. And it is a pretty darn extensive. I can't believe how many different... Uh, tents and things there are already set up 
It's not really open yet. I'm not exactly sure when it opens, but uh, it is, and there's going to be some great music as well off and on during the day. And then the singer from the Disney movie Frozen is going to be here. So uh, she has some great voice. She has a great voice, let's put it that way. So anyway, the Pride Fest of this weekend, I think today and tomorrow, there are some street closures and everything else. So when you head down this direction, keep that in mind. So let's. why don't we take a call or two before we take a break. Let's head over and see what's going on with Norman. Hi, Norman. Hi, Mike. Norm Gillette, Belleville, Illinois. Listen, I have some pear trees. They're called sickle or sugar pears. They're about 10 years old, some. Some are 20 years old, and they have fire blight like there's no tomorrow. Is there any, any, any way of saving the tree, period? Basically, no. Fire blight is internal. And once any kind of fruit tree gets it, it pretty much sends them downhill. So there's not really, you can't inject, you can't spray, you can't do anything. So Yeah, they've been great trees for all these, and they're delicious pears. Oh, that's too bad. They are very delicious. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I lose the whole tree then. Right, exactly. And then it's okay. spread, you know, when... You know, insects and other things can spread it from one tree to the next. So it's uh, it's just a disaster. Uh-huh. And okay, ro- well, thank you. Yeah, roses get it as well. So just understand there's – and roses and fruit trees are in the same family. So that kind of says, oh, <laughs> it's in that genetic circumstance. Well, well thank you for the good news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I'm sorry I couldn't come up with some kind of, well, I can make up something. You can go out in the full moon and dance and see if that will help. My, I don't dance no more. <laughs> well, okay. It's, it's been talking. Sure. Good talk to you. Bye-bye. Let's head over to Robin's yard. Hi, Robin. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a weeping willow in my yard. And it sits in a spot that um, it's a lower spot in my yard, which is why I put a weeping willow there because sure. I thought it'd be happy. Um, it's been there about four, maybe five, probably five years. And uh, the leaves started turning yellow and I'm losing leaves on it. So what do I do? Uh, basically, it's just probably weather related more so than anything else. And I mean, our rainfall has been really erratic. There's been extended periods of no moisture, and then, you know, we get flooded for a day or two. So I wouldn't – if the tree is just overall healthy, I wouldn't worry too much about it. And willow trees are pretty tough. There's one in Christie Park right across the street from where Tracy and I live, and I've been watching that. And it's a relatively young one, too, and it's not had a, a great time this year. And it's just – I mean, the winter time. And our early spring and mid-spring, and then now we're just right in starting summertime. So it's just going to be, you know, who knows, but uh, don't be overly concerned. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Sure. And now let's see. Yeah, let's go ahead and get Marilyn in. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have some beautiful old azalea bushes. Gorgeous every year full of blooms. This year, not even one bloom. Please tell me they're not dying because they look great. 
No, they're not dying. Basically, what it was is the flower buds were damaged by the early, and it was still in the fall, a cold snap, and they weren't really, you know, the buds weren't totally ready for that kind of circumstance or situation, and the exposure and everything else of your particular shrubs just made it so the frozen, the, uh, the flower buds were just frozen. Oh, what a relief. I would hate to lose these. They're just beautiful. Yeah. I look forward to them every year. But yeah. this year, oh, my gosh, Webb, I've been so worried about them. So, <laughs> so thank you. Sure. I didn't realize that. So the foliage is still looking good and everything. It's very green and very healthy looking. So you it's, must fertilize. Actually, no, I don't. Really? These are old bushes, and um, oh, I don't even know how old, over 20 years. And I don't do anything to them. They're wow. just beautiful for me every year. They're well, just wonderful. Good luck. <laughs> but uh, if you start to see any kind of yellowish, you know, coming with the veins of the leaves still staying green, then you need to get some iron sulfate and uh, change the soil pH or get some... Uh, fertilizer for acid-loving plants because it'll have the nutrients and it'll also have the uh, the iron and the sulfur. Oh, is that the same um, fertilizer that you use on hydrangeas for the color? Because I've got some of that. That's aluminum sulfate. Oh, aluminum. Right. I need iron. Right, okay. iron sulfate. Oh, I'll have to go to my good old East Hardware store and have them order it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Sure. I love your show. Well, thanks Every for having me on your show. Okay. Mike Bye. Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, during the first show, uh, the Garden Hotline, Good Gardening Stroll where I walked around my yard and talked about all the stuff that's going on. A couple of things that I did not mention, I wanted to just mention later on in the show, was I, one of my two boxwood near the, on the north side of the house uh, is, has some browning foliage and some foliage that is dro- it's dropping uh, quite a bit. And what it is is because the cypress tree is very close to it and it's shadowing it out and unfortunately... Part of the boxwood is shut itself down and is dead, basically. I haven't cut it out yet. I'm just leaving it for a while. Another thing, I like to experiment around with the plants to see if I really know what I'm talking about. And so consequently, another thing that's happened is I get calls where people say, well, you know, I have this plant and it's really wilted. And then when I've been watering it, it hasn't really perked up or anything else. So I have some plants that I overwatered initially, and then it rained, and that even made it more overwatered, and so they were really wilted down. So when they were wilted, I decided, well, I'm going to put some fertilizer on it, see if that helps. No, it doesn't help at all, and I knew it wouldn't, but uh, I still want to play around with this stuff to make sure that uh, I know what I'm talking about. But then also what I started to do was water it. And it's just gone downhill more and more and more. And so, unfortunately, it's a window box in our kitchen window that we look out on. And the plants are pretty much two out of the three plants are ones that don't really like a whole lot of water. But I've killed them. 
just on, kind of on purpose, but uh, they're ones that uh, some tropical plants that I've had for a couple months now, and I just wanted to play with them and see what would happen. So anyway, where should we go? Let's go over to Sarah's yard. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. Okay, I have a, it's about a, a six-foot hydrangea. The deer have been eating the uh, flowers off of it, and so we kind of, Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois put a fence around it which i think did the trick except for now what's happened to the hydrangea the plant is totally stripped of its leaves the, the blossoms are the blossoms are now there they've not been eaten but the leaves have all just been stripped off the stem hmm that's if they has no foliage at all that's not a good sign so I'm not exactly sure what's eating them, but uh, if they're coming, to, they have to get through your fence, and there's not too many things that really eat a lot of the foliage, you know, that much of the foliage. So are you sure the fo- the leaves haven't just, let's say, withered and dropped? But you no, see- there's no, there's no leaves on the ground from the hydrangea. Nothing. Uh-uh. Wow. Like they're, they're totally gone, and the flowers are still on there. Yeah, the, but now the leaves are all stripped. Yeah, if the if the leaves have all been eaten off, that doesn't sound really good. So just kind of keep your fingers crossed, and hopefully it's going to recover. But uh, you know, the leaves are essential for a plant to have some kind of health at all, because the leaf is where the nutrients and moisture come up from the root system, end up in the leaf, and then it uses sun to create chlorophyll, which is food for the plant. And if there's no leaves, the ability to produce food is uh, obviously eliminated. So it's there's nothing it's, I can feed it or no, water it more or no, anything. no. You're not going to do anything at all. I would say the best thing to do is just kind of leave it alone, and like I said, keep your fingers crossed. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Sorry. Oh, yeah, right. That's surprising that something would eat, you know, all the leaves and you got a fence around it. That's wow. Totally I know. I okay, he did put it in all fairness. I'm going to say that I would have thought this would have killed the uh, plant entirely with the blossoms as well. Maybe two feet away from the plant, uh, I had somebody, he sprayed Roundup to keep the weeds sort of away. Do you Ooh. think that would have? cause that well that could certainly you know if uh you know there was any kind of drift or anything at all under the foliage that could certainly but i mean that's not hopefully they didn't do that but that's uh 
kind of that makes more sense than something eating it. Okay, but wouldn't that have if he did that? Wouldn't that have also taken away all the blossoms as well? Just destroyed the total plant. No, generally the. You know, Roundup, you you apply to foliage. You don't apply to the flowers because the flowers really don't absorb, you know, an herbicide that's going to be impactful like that. Okay. Will that come back out of it then if that was the case? Well, it should, but uh, who knows? Like I said, it's going to be really weakened by the fact that it's going to have to go through our who knows crazy summertime, which just started, you know, this past week. And yeah. without any kind of, you know, nutrients or food or anything else. Okay. So would you, if you were me, would you just give it a give it a while, or should I just dig up the plant and try to replant something else? I would say you could leave it there, but uh, if you're not going to really know, it's not going to probably leaf out this year. So you're going to have to wait until next year to see if it's going to, you know, have recovered. But you can, during the, you know, just during the time, you can just kind of still feel the uh, the flexibility of the stems of the branches and things like that. If they start to get brittle, then that's, you know, that's showing it's really going downhill. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. So f- they need to be flexible to be viable. And if they're not flexible, then they are gone. Okay. So, Let's okay, see. so more than likely it was probably the Roundup that did it. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And Hi. now let's go over to James Yard. Hi, James. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? All right. Uh, a question. My wife and I, we've been having geraniums for a few years, and we have them on the east and the west side of our home. They're outside in potted plants and hanging baskets. Well, you know, I've got questions about caring for them, uh, about watering them. Some, sometimes we water them every day. I know the ha- the hanging baskets we've been watering every day, but the pot ones maybe every other day, but we're not sure if we ought to continue to do that. And how often about feeding and deadheading? Uh, deadheading, as soon as the flowers are finished, you should get rid of them. Uh, as far as watering, that seems like too much water for the geraniums. Anything with a thick stem like geraniums have, even if they're, you know, the hanging basket type or if they're the ones that grow in pots, those thick stems usually mean that uh, that much watering may be too much. So I'm surprised you've had, you know, adequate success with them for the last couple of years if you've been watering that much. I would say just in general, every couple of weeks should be adequate as far as watering. But if you want to, if you've had great success with them, watering it the way you have, you could do that. But uh, I would uh, be a little bit cautious. Even even with the temperatures being hot, you said every couple of weeks is watering. Right, because they're they're a type of plant that with those bigger stems, which they have, as opposed to other type of annuals that have thinner stems, and also the geraniums have a thicker, more leathery-type leaf. They don't need as much, you know, water as much. Okay, now deadheading, some of those, they have, uh, like, uh, buds on the bottom of them. Do you deadhead those? Yeah. They have- yeah, usually they're going to, you know, all open up pretty much at the same time. 
So if you you can leave them if you want to to see if they're going to open up for you, but my guess is that's probably not the case. But again, going back to what I said too, you know, give them you know some fertilizer every probably every maybe three weeks or so. Okay. Now, and those spikes that grow up out of there, does that make a difference? Or? As the spikes? Yeah, you know, sometimes they have the little green shoots that come up out of them. Well, that's just new growth, so that just shows you that they're healthy. Okay, so I, if I see that, I shouldn't deadhead those, huh? No, that's not something to cut out. Deadheading means cutting spent flowers. Right. Okay, because sometimes, you know, you still have a few blooms on it, and it's brown, but right. it might be one one shoot here or there. Right. So, to me, that's not worth it. Uh, it's strictly an aesthetic call on your part. Okay. Okay. Got you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. A lady called and she said she needs me to repeat the name of the injection that you can put into mole tunnels to kill them. It's called Kaput, K-A-P-U-T. Availability, I would say just go online and see where you can get it. You may have to buy it online. There may be some local sources there used to be, but I can't, you know, I don't want to say that they are. They still have it. But Kaput is the name of the product. Also, now, if you look out on your sidewalk or various areas, you start to see some small red bugs running all over the place. Well, those are red clover mites. They do feed on plants. They're not as damaging as spider mites. These are red clover mites. They like the warm weather. Uh, the concrete surfaces, they can get into your house, but they're not harmful to people, pets, or furniture. And when squashed, they will leave a red streak. Interesting thing about these bugs is there's only females. So no f- mating is needed to fertilize the eggs. So their females are constantly laying eggs. So just if you've got the, you know little red things running all over the place, they will damage plants, but not major damage, nothing like spider mites. So that's red clover mites. Let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Good morning. Uh, I got a question regarding our Chinese maple. Uh, it's been flourishing for years, and for whatever reason, this spring, it's all the leaves were stunted. Um, there's probably only a third, of the, maybe even 25% of the density, and the leaves themselves um, they didn't mature into the nice uh, colored, like purple colored leaf. They're still half green with a little bit of uh, purple around the edges. Really curious what might be going on with that tree. Uh, basically, it's all weather related. There's been through the last couple of months, several people have had that same more or less problem with their Japanese maples. And there's nothing that can be done about it other than uh, nothing. <laughs> they get a live? Uh, they should. I mean, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, as long as they, you know, have some foliage and everything else, it sh- it, you definitely don't want to get rid of it and just mm-hmm. kind of hopefully we'll have better weather next year. This year with that cold in the fall, super cold, 
and it did some damage to lots of different things. And then our late winter, you know, even midwinter, and then springtime was just fluctuations with really kind of extravagantly mm-hmm. warm for the time of the year. And then it got cold, and then it was wet, and then it got really dry. And so all that combination of things okay. did some damage. Any uh, possibilities of, like, just extra water for it or fertilizer that might help no. keep it in shape? Okay. Yeah, I would say you're better off just to kind of leave it alone and do what you normally do. Okay. Well, thanks. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Sure. And now let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Yeah, Mike. This is Greg. Uh, I've got pin oak trees, and I uh, had a couple of them due to the gall disease taken down last year, but I forgot to ask the tree service company, and they didn't mention it, whether or not I need to, that I could save uh, the rest of my pin oak trees. I got a mixed bag of foliage this spring and summer right now of gall and foliage. Mike, is there anything I can do to save those pin oak trees? I still got about four left in the yard. Well, the galls are actually caused by wasp, female wasp stinging and laying their lay their eggs into the stems, and then those as those eggs mature, then it causes that bloating or that gall, and so that's basically what it is. So if you've got yes. the wasps still hanging around your existing pin oaks, then you know, and they really go after not just the pin oaks, but any of the members of the red oak family group, but dramatically much more of the pin oaks than other ones because that's the one that's of the uh, red oak family group that you know, dominates as far as number-wise. And there's not really too much you can do, to be honest. Yeah, uh, there's only one tree service. I won't mention their name, of course, but they said something about injectable. It was uh, on the, in the newspaper. What do you think of that, Mike? Well, I mean, it may work, but again... If the galls are already there, it's not going to make it so those gall problems are not going to be, you know, there. What it'll do is, you know, kind of get rid of the females. But until those females are gone, then you're still going to get uh, new galls on a yearly basis. So uh, as far as you're concerned, Mike, uh, the rest of my pin oaks, they may eventually just go ahead uh, and die because of that gall. And, yeah, they just start declining because what it does is it causes the ends of the branches where the galls are to drop, and that reduces the leaf count on the trees. And as I was saying before, the leaves are essential for the any kind of plant's overall health because the nutrients and moisture from the ground come up and end up in the leaves, and then the leaves use sunlight to create chlorophyll, and that's what the food is to keep the plants healthy. Okay, Mike. Well, I'll just uh, see what happens, but uh, I guess there's not much we can do about it. (laughs) That's very true. I mean, there can be, you know, some of those, you know, some of the treatments may help some, and it's just going to be a sort of, like I say, a roll of the dice. Right. Okay, Mike. Thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. And let's see Bye-bye. what's let's see what's going on in, with Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. You're doing well today, I hope. Yes. Uh, I called you last week uh, regarding some broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and cauliflower I had, and the leaves were being perforated by something. I assumed it was insects. And as I informed you, I had a 
I have a fence around it, and I couldn't find I couldn't find anything on them at all that looked like any kind of a bug, and there are no footprints or something got in. So I went out and watched it, and what we discovered is that there appears to be some kind of a white moth that was flying all around them and landing on them. And my wife looked it up on the Internet, and it showed that this particular kind of moth, it shows the damage it does to leaves, and it's exactly like the leaves on our plants. All right. There's, there'll be holes right in the middle of them. There'll be holes on the edge. They're cut out in the edge like something just come up and started biting on them. And I've seen those. I've seen them already this morning. But it appears that that's that's what was it was and is doing the damage. And as I may not remember, I I sprayed them with a seventy percent neem oil and I hit it again and it doesn't seem to be as bad. There was a lady that called in right before me and she'd had the same problem. Now I know we've already been informed that it's too late to plant what we did, but these crazy this, these plants are going crazy as far as how big they are. So I don't know if they're going to produce or not because, as you pointed out, they should have been planted, you know, way earlier in the year. But right. anyway, anyway, this this thing appears to be these moths. I guess that's what they are. They're they just they're very, really white and they're like a small butterfly. Right. And that's what's apparently doing the damage to these plants. Yeah, generally it's not going to be the moth that actually does the chewing, but the moth does lay eggs and you know, and it creates a small let's say caterpillar slash worm, and that's probably going to be what's doing the damage. And they kind of hide on the underside of the leaf, but if you're using the neem oil, that should kill those off. But uh, just keep that in mind for next year. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. But thanks for the insight on on finding out what the problem was. Okay. You're sure welcome. Have a great weekend. Yep. And uh, let's head over to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Good morning, Mike. A couple things. I was listening to the gentleman just prior to my call. I'll give our friends out there a home remedy of any kind of insects that are having their lunch on our vegetables and flowers this time of year. I take um, a spray bottle and dilute maybe mm, a fourth cup of baby shampoo, any baby shampoo, with water and spray everything. It doesn't hurt. It's non-toxic, of course, and you, it is not poisonous to the plant or the, uh, the insects, but the concept is that they taste that, whatever's in that baby shampoo that makes it not, the children not tear up, and they don't like it, so therefore they go away. But anyway, I'm all about this organic stuff. So here's my question. I know you have always told us to keep our moms cut back until after the 4th of July. And this year, I have let mine get away from me, and they're starting to bloom. How much trouble am I in? Is one and done, or am, I mean, I can't cut the blooms off now, right? Right. If you cut them off, you, I mean, basically what they are, you're, you're pinching them back to force the flowering in the fall. And right. by not doing that, then as just they are a normal sunflower, they want to bloom in the sort of the summertime, so that's what you're experiencing. Right. But, I mean, so in the fall, you're what? Just, <laughs> you're going to end up with the flowers are already finished, and you're going to end right. up with some green leaves. Oh, 
Okay, that's what I was afraid of. Well, thank you very much for your time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's you got to stay on top of something like that. So you do. Yeah. I know you do. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your advice. Sure. And Bye-bye. we've got phone lines open three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head to John's yard. Hi, John. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I was wondering, is there any way to get rid of clover in my yard at this time of year? <laughs> Herbicides is about the only thing that's going to work. Either that or hand digging. I've got some clover you know, that's migrating from my neighbor's. And I'm right to the point where I'm probably going to start digging it out. But you, you can use herbicides at this time of year? Or? Yeah. I mean, uh, just read the label. Just on days when it's probably this hot, I wouldn't recommend, you know, using an herbicide because it could do some damage to some surrounding plants. But if it's in your lawn, uh, then you can use a broadleaf weed killer. If it's not in your lawn, if it's in mixed in with perennials and things like that, you're going to have to be very cautious and paint the herbicide onto the clover as opposed to spraying. Is there any particular brand you would recommend? Or No. I would say just don't stay too loyal to one particular type. Rotate them and see which one is most effective you know, for this particular year. And, and you can just go to the store, and they'll have a you know you'll you'll be able to tell what the herbicides are. I'm not, you know, I haven't done too much to the lawn. Yeah, so, I mean, the staff. If you go to a year-round garden center, that's probably going to be better than going to you know, and maybe a hardware store that specializes, you know, or that has a lot of kind of plant material, or herbicides, or insecticides, or fertilizers, or things like that. But I, you know, the box stores, uh, you might, you're going to have to find out about it probably all on your own. Okay, and uh, I have another question. I'm pretty sure this is a losing cause. I have a plum tree that doesn't produce plums anymore. I guess that tree just shot, huh? Yeah, that's pretty much. If it hasn't for a couple years, that means it's past its prime as far as being able to produce any kind of fruit. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Sure, it's kind of like old age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't produce too much either, so. <laughs> <laughs> Great, well, thanks. Let's head over to Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. Hi, Mike. I think I think you just answered my question. I was calling about red clover, trying to get rid of it in my um, rose garden. Right. Same thing, huh? Exactly. So. Okay. Just you don't want to spray the herbicide, you know, where it's going to get onto the foliage of your roses. So you might have to take it and, and, you know, paint it on if you don't want to dig it out. Okay. Thanks so much for the help. Sure. And now let's head to Nadette. Nadette, how are you? Oh, my fine. Real fast. I've never had moms, and I want to plant them. I want to know what kind of moms to get. That goes in the ground, and then what, how to take care of them? I heard that lady was say we had to chop them or whatever. Uh, basically, the ones you're buying now are already getting you know you're buying, and they're already set with buds and things like that. So this is not like if you would have bought them in the springtime, then you would be growing them. But what you need to do is after you plant them, now you can leave them in pots if you want. But okay. uh, hello. 
uh, yeah, but uh, just you go ahead and give them another once, once or two more fertilizings a couple weeks apart. Okay. All right. And then uh, I had the Japanese willow, and uh, this spring part of it turned brown, so I spread it with neem oil, and I think I saved it, but that part is gone, and I was wondering what happened. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, without, uh, you know, seeing it. it. It could have been certainly, was it a Japanese maple you're talking about? No, Japanese willow. Japanese willow. Hmm. Yep. They're bushes, and they go about 10 feet high, and right. they're, they're like willow, but they have leaves that are three-color white, pink, and green. Oh. Yeah, I get them at Lowe's. They're really pretty. Right. So basically, it had to be weather-related, and that's what yeah. caused the problem. Yeah, I think so. I was thinking that, that, too. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. My <laughs> thank pleasure. Thank you very much. And Bye-bye. let's head to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. I'm experimenting with some pot plants, and um, I have them in in containers, and they're taller than I am, and a couple of them have, like, flowers on them, and somebody who knows about pot said that it should not be flowering now. It should be doing something in October. So the, the leaves are, like, three instead of the normal five. Have you ever heard of that or anything that I can do with that? No. Uh, basically, if it's in flower, I mean, I don't know what particular plant this is that would be flowering that would be that tall that late. Is it a crepe myrtle? Do you know? No, it's uh, marijuana. Oh, sorry. It's marijuana. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. <laughs> no. Uh, Shouldn't be flowering now. It's this is what I'm understanding. Yeah, it's, it seems a little bit much, you know, mature or immature. But, uh, you know, how the flower buds are, you know, what you're really trying to grow it for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Okay. I just thought maybe you would have the, the inside scoop on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you got them pretty robust if they're five feet high. Yeah, they're tall. Yeah. And flowering, but I don't know. Mm. <laughs> maybe somebody in your in your audience will know. <laughs> That's true. You never know. Well, thanks, Terry. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And just everybody, I mean, with our crazy weather and everything else, just keep in mind that as I was talking about, just because you start to see some plants wilting in the because it is so hot, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need more water. So the best thing to do is if you see a wilted plant in your landscape, Go out in the morning, and if the plant is wilted in the morning, then it probably does need water. If the plant is not wilted in the morning, but it's back up and upright and erect as far as the foliage goes, then it doesn't need watering. And if a plant is not looking healthy, fertilizing is not going to be all that good for it because it's just like people or pets or anything that's living When you're not doing well, when you're not feeling well, eating is not the best thing for you. So just keep that in mind. I greatly appreciate everybody for calling in. And Mike Miller, that is me, wishes you the best on these hot days. And I'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.